Hi everybody, my name's Christian Noctrieb and I'm the founder of University of Wedding Filmmakers and co-founder of Brighter Lights Media, a Boston-based wedding cinematography studio, and you're listening to the UWF Podcast, a show centered around the business of live event and wedding cinematography. Today's guest is Jason from Boston Wedding Films, where we have a great talk about what sorts of strategies he uses to sell to the high-end bride. For over a decade, Boston Wedding Films has established itself as one of the most sought-after and respected event filmmakers in the Boston and surrounding areas. Born from a few passionate creatives who share a common appreciation for the incredible value an amazing wedding film brings, together as a group they've built a client-focused team who express in everything they do the incredible honor they feel to be chosen to document something as special as one's wedding. I personally have been a fan of Boston Wedding Films for many, many years, and it was quite a privilege to have such a talented member of this team allow me to pick his brain for the benefit of the community. We had an amazing talk about the sorts of strategies they use when selling their high-end films to clients, what kinds of things to look out for when getting brides on the phone, and of course, why it's so important to constantly reiterate the value that you provide as a wedding filmmaker. This was a really great interview, so let's jump right in. Here's my chat with Jason from Boston Wedding Films. Hi, Jason. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, thanks for having me, Christian. It's, it's, it's an honor. Well, I've been a big fan of your guys for many years, so um, it's it's been a, a long time coming uh, of getting a chance to kind of sit down and talk about the business. I'm a, a huge fan of Boston Wedding Films, and um, I know that you've got some valuable insight to share with us today. Why don't we first start by talking a little bit about you know your background, how you got started, and in particular how you fell into wedding cinematography. For sure, for sure, and, and I want to uh, say back at you on behalf of me and, and all the guys that we have a gal uh, at Boston Money Films. We're, we're also uh, reciprocal fans of your work. Um, so Thank you. So it, it's great to be included in this and uh, appreciate you doing it. Of course. And asking us. Um, I got into this by accident. Like, uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I was not the kid in high school kind of getting involved in the, you know, the production. I was actually in a band, believe it or not. And oh, no, so I, I was on, I guess, front of the stage. Ah. <laughs> um, but I never wanted to be in front of the camera. I, you know, I always wanted to be behind the camera, but I, I was actually in a band. Um, and so I'm a fairly creative person. And so actually the first time like, I really started to use a camera, believe it or not, was um, a major purchase. First major fight with my, my wife was mm-hmm. uh, for the honeymoon. Nice. I went out and bought a $1,000 uh, Canon, whatever they were, the little handheld, you know, whatever it was, um, camera. And, um, and we went to French camera. Polynesia. Um, and so I, I just filmed all sorts of great stuff there. And um, I was working at the time as a director of training and development. And um, I had the executives missing my training all the time. Mm. So for the new hires, it wasn't a great message to, you know, have the scheduled time and the CEO doesn't come. And so I decided to make little vignettes of them to kind of capture the company spirit and personality. And, you know, within no time, um, it seemed to kind of evolve to be half of my job was delivering these these films, training videos, messaging. The company actually went out and, and hung TVs all over the company in different places, and we would actually have contests. And so I, I kind of like learned, I guess, by, uh, by, by I guess, trial by fire, whatever they say. I just kind of got thrown mm-hmm. into it. Okay, um, cool. So yeah, and and never. I mean, I didn't. I didn't want a, a wedding videographer at my wedding. I'm the first to admit it. Mm-hmm. I tell all all my current clients when they call when they have that conversation. Um, the the awkwardness of the camera, you know, all the things that everyone thinks about that they think of associated with the traditional wedding video. Um, you know, for a lot of people, is intimidating, and they felt that they would never kind of watch it. So it's it's just been so interesting for me to kind of learn the true you know impact of of a film. Yeah, and I'm sure you have that great like hindsight 2020 benefit factor going for you in those conversations. Absolutely. I mean, nothing's more compelling than the first wedding I ever did was the weekend of 9-11. Mm, right. The, yes, um, that's on your website, I believe. Is that where it was, that story? Yeah. The groom was a fireman. I got to oh, be the uh, okay. second camera person. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, you, can't, you, you, you wouldn't say no on that weekend. And um, we were expecting our first child, and, and I thought the world was over. Yeah. And here I am within minutes, uh, same church I got married at and actually wore my wedding tux, I think, because I didn't have anything to wear. <laughs> and uh, I'm like crying over these strangers. And I'm like, I don't even know them. But it, it, it gave me kind of this renewed hope that, wow, this is really special. And, and one of the things I realized so quickly, it wasn't how they looked. 
it was what they were saying. It was the impact of the words hmm. that moved me so much, and I immediately just fell in love with like this escape from reality. I guess through my through my clients, and um, it was just a, it was just a game changing uh, moment for me. I, I found renewed hope through I guess other people's had not that I wasn't happy, but um, I, I started to believe again that there was kind of life after you know that tragedy, and it was just a very uh, compelling experience for me. Totally. Yeah, that's that's wonderful to hear. How did the the groom find you? I mean, was it someone that you knew? How did how did the first like wedding booking happen for you? Yeah, so it it, it goes back to my corporate experience. I had just been given a, a large check to buy a bunch of gear huh. and I went to a, a camera store in, in the town I live in and they called there and they said we need a local person, and the videographer had called and said, you know, do you have anyone? And they said, Well, yes and no and they're like, What do you mean? And they said, well, some jerk just bought, like, everything off the shelf. I don't <laughs> think he even knows how to turn it on. But um, here's his number. And that's that's literally how it happened. It's amazing. Cool, cool. Very cool. Um, it's always fun to know people's, you know, their humble beginnings and how they sort of fell into it. Same story with us. We weren't, you know, looking to do weddings. It just sort of, they sort of found us. So it's always interesting to see how people got into it. Um, well, we always say, and I'm just sure you say, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do to pay your bills for yeah. your livelihood. And if you're not loving this, like someone's wedding, you're probably in the wrong line of business because it's, it's a big deal for someone to trust you with their wedding. You're around, oh, yeah. like, you know, obviously a very emotional day, but, but it's an amazing time in that family's life, and they're letting you into that inner circle for that moment of time. And if you don't see that as a, as a privilege and an honor, then, then you should definitely find something else to do with your time. Something else that, that uh, you know, makes you feel good about what you do for sure. Absolutely. Um, great. What, what were the early days like for Boston Wedding Films? Um, did, was it always the same name? Like sort of how did you real, yeah. how did you get to the, to the place you are now? Sure. So, so started out, it was, it was just me and it wasn't that name. It used to be called a uh, terrible name. Forgive me. We've all got them, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. You don't want to hear my band names either. Those are pretty bad too. <laughs> but I started with something called TPG videography and, and, okay. I got that because um, I started out actually after I filmed that just doing photo montages to make some money on the side. Mm -hmm. And um, someone said to me, wow, this is a totally perfect gift. And I needed a name for their invoice. So I'm like, okay, TPG. Uh. <laughs> um, so what I did when I first started was I, I just, you know, I wanted to go out and experience as much of this as I can and I just filmed for other people. Um, and very quickly I realized what I loved and didn't love. Mm -hmm. Some things I, I didn't love about it was um, the concept of the, the, you know, the it's X amount of hours and after, you know, and I was a subcontractor, after eight hours you have to go over to the bride or the mother bride and say, if you want me to stay, it's X an hour. Mm. So um, I actually got fired uh, by, by someone in the industry, I won't share their name, because he looked at the time code and I was staying two to three hours extra and oh, wow. he wasn't charging. Because I, I just thought that didn't belong. Um, I didn't love um, asking people for their rings after yeah. they were married to do some creative ring shot. I remember when I got married, I had a reaction to my ring and kept it on my finger. I mean, I'm, you know, I didn't want to take things like that, and I didn't want it to be about placing things. I, I really wanted to be around people who felt comfortable. And, um, gotcha. and so I, I soon realized the only way for me to do this the way I believed was to do it on my own. So that's what, you know, after I'd filmed probably 50, you know, for other people, I'm just like, I, I've got to do it for my own. And uh, and I never got to edit at the time, too, Christian. So it was such a disconnect, right? You film, yeah, sure. and you hand over, and you don't really know what works. I mean, right. you, you think you do something so well when you're there, but then you get back to your editing suite, and you're like, oh, my God, what did I do? It's not what was what I, I thought I did. Yeah. Um, or you find a surprise, you know, and it changes the whole direction. Yeah. But um, I wasn't really growing as much as I thought, because I thought it was so great what I was producing, looking through the lens, and then... You know, I'm, I never got to see the results of my work, so I feel like, you know, that was a massive disconnect. But So then I went out on my own, and um, very quickly I was um, I connected with some of the top planners in the area. Okay. Uh, I did something called marketing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know a little bit about that. Crazy. But I went out and bought a bunch of, I think they were the iPod shuffles, and you could put video on them. I forget what the first iPod was. Uh, with video? Yeah, it was, maybe it was the, yeah, I had one of those old ones. It had, had that video wheel. On it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> if you have one, it might be worth a lot of money. Yeah, my fifth in the museum. But I went out and I bought about ten of those, and I put my work on there, and I sent them out to different planners because I wasn't able to break through. And I thought if I could connect with planners who had, 
you know, I, I knew immediately, by the way, that I wanted to give a lot of my time and effort into each client. So I knew that I wasn't going to be a volume hmm. and I, it wasn't my full time um, focus. So okay. I knew, you know, maybe I'd do six a year, but the six I did, I really wanted to, you know, be fully vested in. Yep. Um, and I didn't want it to feel like, like a job. Uh, so I went after the highest end market I could find. And my goal was to, once I realized that, you know, um, it's a simple concept, but our kind of belief is that the experience can be as wonderful as the film and should be. So I knew if I gave high service with a product which they didn't even expect to be that good, mm-hmm. um, I would carve out a really strong niche for me. And when I, this is like, you know, 14 years ago, yeah. 15 years ago, when video was really looked down on way before DSLR, um, you know, it was the gentleman with the camera on the shoulder and the big light. And so it was such a hard challenge, but it was so easy because no one was doing it differently. So I really quickly got into the crowd that said, you know what, I actually do think it adds value, but I'd, I'd love the experience to be as wonderful as the, the film. Um, and I just, you know, was well embraced. My, my challenge was I had so many clients, I couldn't support them. Hmm. Um, so I was saying no, 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 no. And um, luckily for me, I ran into a, a taller lad named Jim Green. Uh, we were both freelancing. <laughs> And um, he was always much more technical than me, and I was just, and I'm a Mac guy, and he's a PC guy, so he used to give me a hard time. But, um, but he would be the guy I'd call, and I'm like, hey, Jim, what do I do with this? And then eventually, you know, we started talking, and he's like, you know, his bookings weren't where he wanted them to be. And I seemed to have a, a, a way of, um, you know, really working well with the clients and, and bringing in the business. So we just kind of started saying, okay, you're great at that. I'm good at this. Let's let's be two. It's you know more powerful than one, and um, so that's kind of the the early stage. And then obviously we grew to Mike and Dorian, and um, you know so we we have um, you know all four of us. Although I've retired from filming and editing, luckily for our clients, these guys are so much better than me so that I can focus um, my efforts really on this part of the company and the branding and the service, which which they are excellent at as well. But it's kind of a division of of labor, you know, and then you can really put your time into the stuff that, that really inspires you. Yeah, I hear you. No, that's really interesting. And it's really great that you figured out that um, the key was focusing on, you know, a higher quality client and being able to um, mark yourself to the high end bride upfront early on. I feel like most people sort of just begin and this is how we started was just do the weddings get the the real kind of you know nice and full with with weddings and then try and make a name for yourself um mm-hmm. so it, it can be i guess a little bit harder going that direction because what happens is you start being known for you know charging two to four thousand and then it becomes a little bit harder to um make that transition but it seemed like you kind of just knew that route up front and then that sort of was your you know your jumping off point it, re- it really was, and I, and I I didn't really start, you know, as I you know I, I look back and it feels like I started in that space, but I didn't. I had to kind of you know go out there and pay my dues. I mean, what, my first wedding, the one that I told you about, the weekend of 9/11, mm-hmm. I think I got $75 to to be the second shooter. And uh-huh. but for me, I felt rich. You know, didn't I? Didn't the $75 was like what whatever. I was like, you know, and I just used all the money that I got from the weddings really just to buy gear. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it, as you know, it's such a big investment and that was pre-DSLR. Yeah. Sure. Um, but you know, you really, you really do that. But one of the things that I was fortunate enough to, uh, to get early on and, and I guess fortunate enough and also it's a tough thing to hear, um, probably my second year into it, I, uh, I had a call from a bride and, uh, you know, this was a beautiful wedding at, you know, the Boston Harbor and her father was the CEO of this company and he had mm-hmm. the Bentley and I mean, it was just, you know, oh, everything was over the top. The guy had more life in him. I mean, his toast was just like, wow. And in fact, I remember his daughter like, please stop embarrassing me. The toast was probably eight minutes long. I bet you she would have said it was an hour and a half that day. <laughs> they had, you know, night shift there. I mean, they had, you know, all the good stuff sure. was there. So everyone wanted to dance, and the father's going on. He, he was fantastic, I thought. Um, so I get a call about a year and a half later from this bride. And, um, and it, you know, at first it was a very soft voice, and... Um, told me who she was and of course I, I, I don't think I forget any single bride I just forget their name sometimes because the married Changes. name isn't how we start knowing yeah, them exactly um, so you know eventually and I dotted and she was just really kind of solemn and it wasn't like her and, and so she went on to tell me that she just lost her father to pancreatic cancer oh man um, and out of, out of the blue and this guy was invincible I mean if, if you know if you thought of the, like 
you know, the, the ideal CEO, you know, whatever, it was him. And um, she was, um, she just had her, her first child. Um, so, um, but, you know, the father never got to uh, see her mm. daughter, his granddaughter. And the mother, you know, completely in shock. He was not an old guy either. He was probably 52 or 53. Oh, wow. um, and the only thing she had was to remember him was the toast. Mm. Um, it really, I mean, she had some old movies, but it was that. And she called me to, to I, A, asked me for any footage I could find. We get this call a lot. I'm sure you do too. Mm. Um, anything, just, it, she'll take whatever I have, you know, and, uh, that call unfortunately happens much more than, than I'd like to say it does. But the reason why they call is because they understand the value of what we do. And one of the earliest bits of information I got in sitting down with a, with a uh, planner we work with quite often, um, you know, she got personal with a client and she said, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I just want you to know, you know, I lost my father at a young age and the first thing I forgot was the sound of his voice. Mm, interesting. And what, what these guys do is they get your audio and they get it right so that you have it. Um, and I'm sure, again, you've you've had your stories of people coming back with unexpected things in life. I mean, we all have them. You know, you take yeah. stuff for granted, and you think something's in, you know way too long, and you wish you had. She wishes she had 16 billion more hours of her father talking from that day. Right. But at least she has this, you know. And um, anyway, so I'm sure, I'm sure you've experienced that. So I'm a firm believer in what we both do, and that you know everything on the wedding day. There's so many important decisions that are clients have, but that we at the end of the day really should be delivering the greatest value, but it might not be perceived before the wedding. It's something that over time you'll realize if you grow a family and you have all these things, um, how important that is. And as I told you, Christian, I, I didn't want one at my wedding. Mm -hmm. I'm Jewish. My wife's Catholic. I was here. Kids are confused. I'm kidding <laughs> around, but we had a full mass um, and our audio is terrible, and yeah. it was all about how we're, the, how we're one. It was such a great ceremony, actually, um, but it had the church echo and everything, you know, that, that we, we would never stand for in ours. But I checked it off the list, and when I got married, that was 2000 I spent like 3000 on the video, and that was a lot then. Oh, sure, yeah. That was a lot. And I, I did one of those photo video packages, you know, and they had worked at the same place. I got married, and, you know, I was just the guy who didn't want anything to do with it. Mm. But to me, that's much more expensive I can't fix that than to have paid for something that I really wanted. So I really, really try to communicate that to clients when they're going through this process because society is going to tell them it should be this and it's that and encourage them to really think about what they're doing because some clients will want to spend more on their uplighting, which actually gets in the way of things looking great. And I always say, you know, if, if your clients are sitting, at, you know, if your guests are sitting at the table staring at the flowers that you spent, you know, whatever, and that's great if you love flowers, they're beautiful, I love them too. But if there's the table staring at the flowers and not dancing, like you've got this backwards. If they remember how great the food was, but they didn't have fun, you've got it backwards. Yes. Your entertainment should be amazing. Like, so, but, you know, you go through the checklist and you, you're told what's important. And so I really try to give that um, perspective to all my clients. And, and truthfully, you know, maybe 25% of them, I mean, a lot of clients who come here already get it. But the ones who just love the work and then, you know, they, they find out what the investment is and get thrown, I'm just like, there's a reason. Think about it. You know, there's a reason why this investment is where it is and it should produce a value that would be worthy of it. Gotcha. There is, there is so many amazing nuggets in there and it's, I'm trying to jot notes down where I can sort of um, go back and touch on some things. I think I want to start though with those stories that you told, right? So you have a lot of firsthand knowledge and experience with this sort of thing, not just at your own wedding, but um, through your past experiences shooting the weddings. Um, mm -hmm. Are these a lot of the things that, you know, your your conversations with brides are centered around? How much of your discussion is technical or about what you guys do versus um, sort of anecdotal stories to kind of help sell them on a more emotional level, if that makes it, sense? It's such a good question. So you, you usually get two kinds of buyers, or three maybe, but you, you have your technical buyers, which we don't see a lot, and they tend to be um, more males that will call and ask those questions. Yeah. <laughs> they put them on the phone after, what you know. And I, and I always try to understand why they're asking. Um, so, I mean, you know, you do get technical questions. I, I usually feel like if I'm going to end up with a technical person, I'm probably not going to really, um, you know, 
have the connection that I'd like to have because the conversations I'd like to have are more about the life conversation mm-hmm. we just talked about. And um, I feel it's really, really important for me. My, my role at Boston Wedding Films is to basically, you know, represent my team to the right clients so that the clients are happy and my team's happy. It's very important for me to know that, you know, all the folks at Boston Wedding Films are engaged at these events. They feel the different kind of engagement, of course, but they feel inspired because there's nothing worse than coming back with a piece that you're just not feeling great about. And I've been there. Then it becomes the job. And for an artist to feel like that, it's tough to keep going. You burn out. You don't want to do it. So I really try to understand the people who call in and make sure that we're right for them as much as they're right for us. Yeah. So if you feel a conversation is kind of being steered a certain way that's not, you know, going to be, you know, result in a sale essentially, will you sort of steer it more towards, um, you know, more conversational, more emotional, more story type conversations? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, and you see what happens, you know, if, if you, you know, you know who really wants you there, who's really done yeah their part you know you know and and i think today you know when i started wasn't this way it starts with that email you get in and, and, and people don't put a lot of information in and and that's fine um, but if the first thing they were asking about is packages and pricing mm-hmm. and it's all they're asking about for me i'm not that compelled to spend because i'll spend an hour with every prospect on the phone at least just to try to help them and if we're the fit great um, but i truly try to help people because i believe in what we do but it just may not, it may not work for them. It may not fit in their budget. You know, it doesn't, it's not personal. Um, no, totally. Some so, people it's just, yeah, it's, it's either they do have the budget and they're not educated or they just flat out right. don't. And sometimes you have you, to kind of sniff it out. It. You, exactly. And, and so I think for me personally, I would choose the person who doesn't have the budget but wants it versus the person who has the budget that doesn't want it. Hmm. And I try to find a way for the person who doesn't have the budget, but we'd love to work with their, their story inspired us or whatever have you. Um, I mean, we do a certain amount of year for nothing, you know, for different reasons. But we've done some for clients who have, um, you know, life-threatening medical conditions and they wanted to get married. And, you know, um, we've done some for uh, some of the heroes back from, um, you know, defending our country and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's just like, you know, the, 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 we felt rich at those events. You know, we may have not made money or gotten paid in some of them, but um, it, you know, it's kind of part of it. But so it's it's really important that you have that because the amount of time, not just on you know the wedding day but after, but the amount of time and the connection that you have to have with your clients in order to get those films like that, that comfortable, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel uncomfortable, if they're not willing to give you that, if they're just like, you know, get your shot, get out kind of feeling, and there are, you know, sometimes clients who come across that way just because they think it's how it should be, it probably doesn't make sense. There's, there's only so many dates in a year. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you're really... You'd rather spend it with someone who actually wants you there. It feels it feels good to be appreciated, you know, on both sides. Right, totally. That makes no, that makes perfect sense. Um, so it sounds like you know, ninety nine percent or one hundred percent of your your calls, or I'm sorry, your you know your conversations are via phone. So is that the way you've always done things, or was there a sort of a a turning point that you realize that's sort of how you have to sell more higher-end clients. Um, what was your old yeah. way of doing? I mean, for us, we used to just, you know, send the email out with the price sheet and then kind of hope and pray. Yep, yep. No, I, I actually don't. We don't put any pricing online. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe it would stop some of the calls. Hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we don't because every person is different. And, and I always want to hear the situation. And, you know, I may be com- compelled to try to make it work. Or, you know, there are times that it's such a unique event that requires so much time and other things that aren't the normal situations and travel, whatever, that it's just really hard to ever get that on a menu. Yeah. But I think when I started, I really, my goal was to like get a meeting, you know, and, and, and so that's great, but um, we probably get 10 to 15 inquiries a week minimum. Okay. Um, and then I'll probably talk to seven of them because I think I'll, I'll, you know, scare some of them away politely. Just when I give them a range, sometimes I try to give them a range. Yep. Or, or, or I know off the bat that we're probably not going to fit, you know, and you, you get a sense whether it's the location. Like you, you try to look for things that help you to understand a little bit more about, you know, what they'll be buying that day. So you try to see, you know, where, where's their wedding. Um, you know, if you know it's in a venue that, you know, you, you know what comes to that venue, then you, then you know there's a chance that they're probably going to have budget. Whether they want to spend it to your point is another story. Mm-hmm. Um if their email is all about, you know, we, we, we want you for three hours to stay, so like, you just know, you know, 
And one of the things I learned, instead of trying to communicate via email the no's, the ones that were not a fit, you can simply say you're just not available sure. that day. And, you know, because some people get offended. Um, but I've never gotten offended where someone says we just don't have the money. Oh, of course. <laughs> but people will get offended, feel rejected, and it's like, a, you know, and, and email has no tone, no matter how kind you are. Um, but I always try to congratulate them, get right back to them, and I'm very responsive. Um, it's not an automated thing. It's me. That's why there's always typos. <laughs> Keeps it unique. Um, but, you know, so, so you just kind of wait up. But I used, to, I used to have people come in, and I remember I used to set up I had the big Apple monitor because I wanted to show it in HD. This is mm-hmm. a while ago. I'm dating myself. But I used to drag down my computer downstairs to my living room or whatever because it was the nicest room in the house at the time. And uh, it was a lot of work. And I had one bride, I remember, and I, I was just starting out, and I so wanted to do a wedding at the Copley Ballroom. Three times she stood me up. It must have taken me an hour to, like, set it up, break down, cue up oh, wow. all my films. And it was, like, no big guilt. So after a while, I said, I realized, okay, probably not the best way to do this. Yeah. Um, but once we, um, you know, once, you know, a lot of people don't need to meet us before they book us, but we do either Skype or meet with people. If they're local, we always meet with them before the wedding day. And, you know, it's just nice to sit down and face the name and them to feel comfortable with us. And, um, yeah, it's, that's really important to us so that when we show up that day, they're like, oh, I know them, you know, and you, you feel a connection. And, and even though I don't go on the wedding day, I feel like I know them too, and I, you know, because I start with them, and I can't wait to see, like, wow, how, you know, what did it look like? I, I look forward to, you know, the, we send thank you notes immediately after we film and congratulations and stuff, and I look forward to seeing, you know, from Jim or Mike or Dory, you know, how it went, um, you know, and, um, no, you know, it's the good. Personal, and yeah, it's, it's that personal touch, and it's just, as you, as you move up in pricing, it becomes harder and harder to sell someone. Um, just over you email, it. it's it's almost like a necessity for them to meet you and put and put a face to the um, to the work and to the to the company. You got it. I mean, there's certain you just have to think about it, you know. And and, and so I, you know, I have a reasonable background in marketing, although I don't think I paid attention in college. I went to Emerson for that, but I I was a marketing major. Maybe I don't even remember now. I was in a band, so it was just an excuse because they didn't have math. It, right. Um, and then of course my senior year, they put the math requirement in. Somehow I I pulled it off, but I still have nightmares that I never finished math. But <laughs> Um, but, you know, I, I came to the understanding very quickly. It's like there's all the different, you know, at the time when I started, there was a lot of publications, um, the magazines and stuff. And, you know, you only have so much money. And so, you know, you know, and I won't name them, but there are certain, now they're not publications, but websites and stuff that you know that you actually don't want your name on. Mm. It's, it's, it's not for your brand. Um, you will get, you know, you will get more traffic then you you know what to do with and you can't service them so it's it's not smart and i used to tell those people they used to call me all the time and they're like we'll do it for free we want to feature you or do this we'll give you this kind of like i can't handle i'll fail those people we'll Mm. get you know x amount of brides a week and i'm like we can't support them you know at the time it was me and then it was jim i'm like we're saying no now to siblings of those families yeah (laughs) so i don't want you know more of the wrong thing. And I think a lot of people, if I were to give some advice to people in marketing, especially this industry, a lot of people go desperate to get more. But what, if you're getting more of the wrong thing, it's much worse. Just think about it, anything in life. It's, you, you wouldn't want more of the wrong thing. You want to go after the right thing. And that's hard sometimes when you're starving. I know, but I've set up two businesses doing it the right way, and I never felt hungry or poor doing it. I just felt like I believed in it. You know, And it does pay off if you stick to it. Um, there's always going to be lots of the commodity business out there, you know, and there'll always be a market for it, but there's enough of the market of people who want it done right, but you, they have to know that that's who you are. Hmm. That's really good advice. Really good. And that's what your company is. That's exactly who you are. That's what you guys have done. You know, and there's a handful of us. There's not many. That's why when I know I get these calls, you know, they're like, well, I'm like, I know what's out there. Trust me. You'll find like, there's not going to be. Much for exceptions to the rules. There really isn't. Hmm. Or if you get the call, you know, it's a Sunday wedding. I'm like, well, we're not doing one Saturday. It doesn't matter. Like, it's, we're fully focused on you that weekend. Like, we're not, this isn't like, you know, get three in for the weekend. And, and I did some of those when I started. Right. I spent a weekend at the Boston Harbor. I remember Memorial Day weekend. I literally should have just stayed there. But, like, that, that wasn't smart. I mean, maybe the numbers were big, but I'm lucky I survived. Yeah, <laughs> those, we've, those three. We've had know, a couple. They added them, like it's, yeah, we've had a couple hell weekends um, when we were starting out. I can't remember what year this was. It might have been 2012, where we had. Yeah. 
it was back when we were doing sort of second teams and playing with the idea of an associate team. And we ended mm-hmm. up booking four weddings in a weekend where we had one, both two were in Boston, but then one was in New Jersey, a same day edit. And then the other one was oh. back in upstate New York um, on the yeah. Sunday. And it was just a, a monster. And from, from that point on, we were like, okay, one a weekend, two, like maybe if they're both like nearby, but no more mm-hmm. than two. It's, it was just too, too crazy. It's it's physically exhausting. I mean, I, I used to have like nightmares that I charge my batteries and you know go through the camera back fifty thousand times. Like it's just like all the things that, you know, it's clients don't realize it, but it's a big liability. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we yeah. seem to always have ourselves like you know we have the backups or the backups, but you know when you don't go into the level of experience like your studio and ours and a, and a few others, they really don't have the backups. Trust me, they don't. Yeah, totally. And it's like you. You're not going to re. I've I've seen photographers like you know they they lost their cards and this is when they first started, and they deleted everything. You know now you can do a lot of things restore, but they lost the entire ceremony. We had to like recreate a fictitious ceremony, and this is a very high end photographer who was like in shock and it was a big client and oh and 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 we actually we actually assumed the responsibility of why not her. I just I knew that they would never think it's odd for us, and I'm like, can we just get you back on the altar just to kind of get your vows again? I just want to get the lighting, you know. And they were cool about it, but if, if the photographer had said, oh, what she was like in the other room, almost you know, sick to her stomach, I don't blame her. Yeah. Um, and the planner was freaking out. She was like, figured. So I just said, you know, could we just shoot it again without, you know, the officiant there, and just to get a little t- and do the ring again? They're like, oh yeah, they were, they were. I knew, you know, they were so comfortable with me because I'd met them before, and the photographer hadn't. She was just tired, so hmm. she didn't want to ask. I mean, they could be an intimidating family, and um, but they were so cool about it. You know, they're just waiting for all the guests to close. I'm like, can we just get you back here? And we had to reshoot, and it was all for the photographer. And they, of course, they didn't know she didn't get any of it, and it was like, wow. like nothing happened. But, but that's the thing. It's like this is this is not easy stuff. Yeah, no. Talking about coming through in a pinch, good call there. <laughs> well, you have to, and that's the other thing. You have to, you have to have compat. You know, be, be you know, you have to have your stuff together on a wedding day. And you, you know, this is this isn't a film shoot. You know, in Austin, this is a wedding. Right. We're talking about you know hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars that these people spend on this day, and everything comes down, in, in my humble opinion, to the film. I mean, if you go and spend 10000 on your band, guess where they are? They're in your film. Yeah. <laughs> they've packed up. They're gone. We have the audio. Like, I, I'm like, it's all here. It's not, and I love photography. It's not in your photos. You will not listen to your photos. I promise you. Hmm. They don't make sound. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's always a, um, a point I bring up is that no matter how many thousands of photos you get, you're not going to be able to hear yourself say your vows. Right. Right. So, totally. anyhow, um, um, well, I hope that photographer gave you a, a pretty, a pretty nice thank you note or a pretty nice thank you package or something at least for that. <laughs> you know what? They they were so ashamed and embarrassed. Um, we smiled at each other, and I, I've worked with this person several times, and um, and and I know, and they know, and that's all. You know, that's good enough. You know, I don't need to know anyway. Yeah. But you know, um, but you know that that's what you do for your colleagues, and you do it for your clients. That's the other. Kind of point, and I'm, uh, I know I'm all over the place. You can tell why I was a terrible student, but um, you know, when when we sign up with a client, and I know we're responsible for the film, but we want to make sure that everything they get is is great. That if we can help, so I can't, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in golf carts with photographers, and like we're changing lenses, we're sharing lenses. You know, yeah. it's like that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, the school thought that that's their shot, that's our shot. It's so weird. It's like that's our client. We should never make them go through the work. I got married at the height, and they had these horrible elevators that go up and down and up and down. And I remember the photographer had us in there for like 20 minutes trying to get the elevator to open without people coming out. And then the videographer one, I'm like, couldn't you guys like work together? Like, wh- why are we doing this separate? And as the client, I'm like, this is a horrible experience. It, yeah. it really shouldn't be that way. You should want your clients to try to be as close to being at their wedding as possible you and i both know their you know their heads are in a million places and they're greeted and but it's like our our thing is like actually try to be present if you could be as present as you can be have fun your film's going to be it's going to be amazing that's all i need for you to do is just go and have fun be the bride be the groom like soak up every moment and we promise you know you'll relive it over and over through this film but you know that's that's really the goal is to like get them that comfortable yeah that they're just themselves well said 
I'd like to ask you a little bit more about the the call itself. So in terms of like structure, you know, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your, your mindset going into a call and um, at what point do you bring up the number? And, and, and my question yeah. for, or my reason for that question is because I, I sort of, you know, personally, I, I sort of get stuck doing something a certain way. And so it's hard to, when you develop a habit, to change it and see if, you know, maybe modifying certain things, um, you know, result in better outcomes. So my, my mm-hmm. reason for that question is I wonder that it's maybe not necessarily a good idea to save it to the end, thinking that, you mm-hmm. know, it's good to develop a good rapport up front and then end with talking Got about it. your your figure versus maybe bringing it up sooner. Um, and that mm-hmm. way it gives you a chance to sort of overcome objections or talk through it or things like that. So I'm just wondering what your typical sales call might look like or might sound like. I think if I get to someone who's very um, budget, budget conscious through their email, through their tone, um, I try to get that out right away. Okay. You know, without being rude, just like understand what their expectation is. Sure. And so one of the ways I do it um, is I ask them, you know, for other vendors that they have. And a lot of times we're fortunate that we're early enough now. We didn't used to be, mm. but we're so early in the cycle that, you know, they haven't chosen the photographer or, the, you know, if they're having a band or, you know, or they always have the venue and they have the date and usually they have the uh, significant other, but <laughs> some of the other stuff hasn't been figured out. Um, so... I use that when I say, okay, you know, so, oh, you know, and if you know any photographers, for example, um, then I say, I do. Um, and, and I know some great ones and there's great ones at different price points, great for different things. So I try to understand a little bit more about what they're looking for within a photographer. And then I test the budget on the photography. And I know that may sound weird, Hmm. But I actually, I'm like, I know photographers from four to six, and I know photographers from six to eight, and I know eight to 12, and obviously some beyond, and I'm like, and, and no one wants to pay more, but, you know, than they need to, obviously, for something that they want either, but where are you, you know, within that? And I, I usually get a sense that if someone's in a, you know, a three to $4,000 range for something like photography or a band, I'm pretty sure there's, a, we do book a handful of brides every year that were everything for their budget, and then, you know, but for the most part, you're not going to be that that far out of that range on the film side, and you get you get a sense. And then usually, if if I feel that way, I I work it in a little sooner to say, you know, my gut is, you know, when people try to be kind, they don't want to ask pricing usually away. So I'm like, you want me to walk you through what you get, and I'm happy to. Um, and then I want to give you a sense of what 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 it will be. And I ask them if I shock them, and usually the response is, well, I'm not shocked, but it you know is more than I thought. But I'm not shocked, and you're still worth it. You know, that's usually the kind of your typical response. Um, do you book all those people? No. But I think it's just pricing is, is a sensitive thing because you don't want to, um, you, don't want to you know, shoot someone down um, in a way that they feel like, you know, you're, you're above them because it's not about being above them or them being below you. It's just people have an allocated budget or they put a value in the budget. And I always try to understand where is their value. Mm-hmm. Um, in that. So, I mean, I, I don't have a set place in time. If someone comes up in the beginning of the conversation and asks me about packages, I'm going to give them a range. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to run from the question. I don't believe that explaining the value for an hour and then giving them the pricing is going to change their opinion of what pricing should be. I just don't, I think you need to, you need to, they're not listening to you. If you're going on and on about all the things you do, all they're waiting for is that number. Yeah. I mean, if you ever, have you ever bought anything like that where you're like, uh huh, uh-huh, what, what is it? What is it? You know, you just want to know. You're almost not able to listen to them. Yeah. So I kind of believe in like, let's just put the number. Let's talk about the number. Here's the number. Yeah. And, and that's exactly then, what, that's exactly yeah. what my question was was you know, g- spend more time talking about it instead of saving it to the end, hoping that they're already invested in you before you say it. And they're then, not going to be after an hour. Trust me. Well, yeah. The only thing that would have happened is you spend an hour of your time giving someone an education that probably at the end of the day isn't going to change their committee that helps them make this decision. And, and a lot of times it is a committee. I mean, it's very rare. I don't know about you, but once in a while I get both on the phone. Yeah. Sometimes it's a parent calling for their child. Or sometimes it's a child calling who then has to sell it up to their parent. They will never sell it to their parent. <laughs> I, I, I can. But they won't. I'm a parent. It just won't. The value will get lost. Someone will say, "Yeah, but it's still X." And yeah, you you want this you want this uplighting. <laughs> I mean, I know it. <laughs> do so you, you know. do you try and set? Um, you know, I I think and I don't know much about traditional like sales, but I know that there's 
goals you set with more like long-term selling in terms of like getting them to commit to something do you try and commit mm-hmm. to a second call or a meeting or maybe a conversation with the you know the powers that be meaning like the parents who are paying for it yeah it's it's a great it's a great question and, and i do have quite an extensive sales and marketing background and um i actually don't and i should if you were to really look at you know the the sales funnels and channels and all the sales thing and i did sales training for years and I don't really think it's going to be worth that energy unless something's really, really compelling me to do that. Okay. Um, I just, I just don't. I mean, if you think about how, how if it's a painful journey, it's they're going to always feel like they paid too much. So it's one when you like give me information. And and by the way, Christian, I always leave it open to. I'm happy to talk with A, B, C, and D. I send a follow-up email. I do all that. So okay. in a way, I do, but I don't schedule up a second call. So I, I feel like that's actually high-pressure sales for a bride. I just do, hmm. and I, it's it's you know it's it's actually not that complicated of a decision if they if they have the means, which the people who call us pretty much all do. It's a choice now. Do they you know, do they do something that they thought, you know, you can't have everything in this world. Some people can, but, you know, you have to make choices just like anything. And so if this is important to them, you know, your typical bride getting married at the Four Seasons or the Boston Harbor and those places, they definitely have the money. It's do they want to spend it. Right. And I, I, I say this too. I don't know if you've ever said this, but when I got married, um, you know, we registered for junk that's in an attic, which I have moved five times since the moves I've had in my life. <laughs> will probably still remain boxed in there. Um, I would prefer Chinese food over China any day of the week. Um, and I say, I say to the clients, I'm like, you're going to get money to at your wedding. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of things you can do with that money. People sit for a house, they do this. I go, you know, there's really not many things that if someone were to give you this gift that could be more impactful than this, out of all the things that you would register for, this would be it. You might not know it now, but trust me, because I didn't when I got married to, you will. Something will happen in your life, and you will. And so I'm, I'm less concerned with when I get paid for things. I mean, you know, we have a system just like every business does, but if there's someone who really just doesn't have – I mean, I've covered the tab for over a year for one client. Oh, wow. They just, they just didn't have it. I, you know, obviously team is taken care of, but I'm like – you know, whatever, they're going to get money on their wedding day. I mean, you know, so I don't need, you know, 90 plus percent before the wedding day. And and, and and that's good and bad because I've also had times where, I, you know, it's a lot of chasing and special payment terms and stuff like that for people. But, um, you know, most of the people in our space do receive most of the money before the wedding. Yeah. And uh, maybe I've been too lenient on it, but I've I've only in 10 years or 15 years now, whatever it is, it was 9-11. So, yeah. Um, had one client do the wrong thing with that. Um, and so that's, I still believe people do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, that's incredibly interesting. And I've heard of photographers, you know, I don't know if it's them that, that sort of arrange it all, but essentially, yeah, like the gift registry would sort of go towards that. Is that sort of what you're saying or would they that, just I've never of, done it that way because I think that's way too complicated. But I'm just like, you know, after you know the fact. Um, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get envelopes. They're going to get checks. And oh, yeah. so... You know, if they only had a dollar now and it was two dollars, there's a good chance they'd have the other dollar after their wedding. Yeah, no, that's and so. A- if this is re- really important to them, then maybe they should think about it that way. Hmm. That's incredibly interesting. And and to answer your question, no, I've never done that nor thought to do that. But um, certainly, but there would. are there are registries and everything like that. And uh, yeah. you know, but it's, it's, to me, that's just like it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. And I just you know, I'm, I, this needs to be the exception to the rule when you get to clients like that. But yeah. You know, you, it goes back to, you know, really wanting to be there. I mean, there's so many calls when I, you know, when, so here's, I'm, I'm get pretty excited. So I talk to, you know, potential, and I'll talk to whomever on my team right after and tell them all about it, you know. And, of course, some people are like, slow down, Jason, slow down. But, I, you know, you get excited. Like, yeah. there's some really, they, like, they know us. They've been, you know, some of these people have been bookmarking us for, you know, it's like someone tells me they've been bookmarking us for two years. I'll say they're a little crazy, but they're super cool. Um, but I'm like, you know, so they're like, you know, we get those calls. And I'm like, how do we not figure something out for them? You know, I mean, they're not, they're not asking for it for free. They may be off a little bit from what is ideal, but how do we not do this? Like, we got to do this. we got to figure this out. Hmm. And, and I also say this, you know, I always say, hey, you know, I can always find a couple hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars, and so can you. Hmm. 
it's, I mean, if that's, you know, if it makes you feel good, I find that parents will have that discussion more so than the bride yeah. or the groom. But I'm like, if that may, you know, sometimes the bride will pass along to the father and the father will call with legal questions and you go through that. And I'm just, you know, I'm just having fun with it. But, you know, we, we have a lot of clients who are attorneys and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, they just want a contractor written, even though it means the same thing. But you, you're just like, not a problem, not yeah. a big deal. Right. Um, and, um, you know, so you work out all that stuff and then they, they just want to have their like thing that they got from you. They want to change one thing or they want to get their something that, you know, makes them feel good. And so, you know, you think about it cause you're like, well, I don't know if I want to do something with this person cause they could be a problem. I mean, you, you want to know who the people are to stay away from too. It's, you know, I, I, I know a lot of physicians and, and they'll say, you know, you can spot the people who are going to come after you for malpractice before, you know, they walk through the doors and you want to send them away. So you want, you know, you want to make sure there are two, I guess there's, there's two types of people in this space. One that want to get the booking so badly, they'll just yes them and promise them all the stuff. And they make it hard for all the people like us who don't do any of that. We're like, this is really what you get. This is what it is. Because the last thing we want is someone to be let down. Right. Like, we, we want to blow their minds. And we should because we have stuff that they don't even know that's coming. And, they'll, you know, they're actually going to want to watch it. I always say to them, I go, if you love stranger stuff, wait till you see yours. Hmm. You know, but, but, you know, so. And I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, um, you know, since, since I've gotten married, the, the people have matured in some ways. Not only are films much more appreciated and, and viewed, um, you know, but... Uh, the average client isn't, you know, 21 years old getting married. I mean, it's, you know, maybe young 30s, mid 30s, but they tend to have gone out and worked a little bit. They tend to be a bit more professional. Some are paying for their, their weddings themselves, just yeah. as my wife and I did. And, you know, so they kind of know what they want, and, and that makes it easier too. Um, but, you know, so it's 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 a more intellectual decision yes. um, for them. So, hmm. anyhow. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was great advice in there. Um, I've I've been taking personal notes <laughs> myself. Of I'm so there. sorry. The calluses you must have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. You're regretting the phone call. I know it. It's okay. <laughs> um, I think I have one last question in terms of sure. the actual call itself. Um, yeah. Are there common price objections that you hear? And I know online from reading in forums, a lot of the things people say, and I think this might be the most common one, is that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've spent X amount of dollars on the photographer, and I only have yeah. so much allocated for video. Is that? Do you still hear that in the range that you guys are at? And then, are there other ones that you hear? And how do you deal with those? Is there a way to deal with them? Sure, absolutely. You know, you're always going to hear that. Um, I think with what uh, your studio and our studio do is that you know we we attract people who weren't going to do it or weren't going to put value on it, and then. One of their friends gets it or someone shows them it and all of a sudden it's like, wow, but I'm out of money, which is kind of what you, you'd almost said. Mm. You know, and we, again, they're not out of money. They just don't want to spend any more money for the most part. Yeah. You know? um, so that's kind of that first audience, and, and we, we do get it. And you know, while I wish it wasn't the case for them, it, it doesn't mean we, we're going to you know, do it much differently from a price standpoint. We can't. You know, so if they really, really want it, then there's probably a way they can they can find a way to rebalance it. I mean, if you if you know, no one likes to cut a budget. No. You know, no one does. If everything's important, nothing's important. And when you start to understand what that person's decisions are, you might go a step further to see if it's even worth your time, and you start to find out that you know, the, you know, the, I mean, there's nothing worse than doing that than showing up on the wedding day, and seeing they have four hundred thousand dollars worth of flowers, right? It's just. It's like, really? Yeah. You, know, I, you know, so once I worked with a client, I, I, I took one of those clients on, and actually um, it was Father's Day. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. I only had one child, but I need to say, <laughs> I, I, I felt badly. felt yeah. badly I wasn't with my father and my, you know, my three-year-old son, hmm. my, my wife. I felt badly, but, you know, someone's got to pay for, for that expensive preschool. Yeah. Um, so I'm out there, it's Father's Day, and that client did that to me. Not, not that it was Father's Day, we got there, and I was working with um first wedding I ever did with a guy named Zev Fisher, a great guy. Mm -hmm. um, and so Zev and I are there, and this groom was so cheap and thought he was so good about being cheap that he actually didn't feed the band because they didn't have it in his contract. So he's got a very you know well-known band here on a Sunday night on Father's mm -hmm. Day, and it's late, and, um, and he wanted them to play more. So needless to say, it's dinner time, 
and the sound man is running out and getting them subs, and the band is beyond upset. Mm. I never go to a wedding scene. I don't. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually, you know, if I got fed great, but I'd always bring a. I don't care. Like I can't miss anything. Yeah. So I'm not there for the food. Right. Now, I, I've you worked know? with Zev, and he's. I know he he brings his own meals. Is this sort of how that started? It might be. I I, I should ask him. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, but um. But it was, you know, we, we just had this. So the guy, the groom came in laughing about it. Like he was awesome for doing it. And it just made me so disappointed. Just because whatever it was, I'm like, wow, that gentleman is so foolish because mm. that band is going to do as little as possible for him. And, 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 and I won't reference the place it was, but they should have fed the band. Shame mm. on them. They had plenty of food. So, I mean, it was just so, so like, you know, what is a pennywise pound foolish? Pound foolish. Um, so when I find people who aren't sincere or, or have that approach where they're just trying to like negotiate, and I don't, we don't need that. Like there's enough who do who want, and there's only so many, you know, so many days. We're not a commodity. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you try to kind of figure it out if it's that, and if they really want you, first of all, they're not usually off by that much. And if they really want you, they'll find a way to find the thousand dollars that they say they don't have. Yeah. You know, maybe stretch out the payment terms for them. But they'll find a way to come up with it. I can assure you. Yeah, you can't about... be afraid of no. You just can't. No is okay. No is okay for them, and it's okay for you. How you express the no is, you know, what matters. But it's okay for something not to be a fit. And I think the, the best lesson I ever learned in sales many, many years ago was that no is the second best answer. Maybe's are a waste of time. So this is the other thing I would say. You know, mm. with the amount of emails that our studios get, and it's a lot. I try to close stuff out. You know, I, I, I don't want to keep them open if they're not serious. So I usually know time, in time is a killer of all deals, by the way. It's a fact. Um, meaning, so, you meaning know, you close have, them out like get a definitive answer, yes or no? Yeah. If they're, you know, you have a great call and they're totally into it and it's a Friday and then they're like, I'll, you know, send me, send, and that's the other thing, send me a contract. I'm like, well, I actually tell people when they say that, I go, do you understand when you tell me to send you a contract? Like, we've got a verbal contract right now and that you're going to sign it. But, like, there's nothing in my contract that's going to scare you away. It's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. It talks about what you get for your money, which we've talked about, and it talks about the payment terms and my commitments to you. There's no deal-breaking language in our contracts. I've been doing this for long enough to know I've never lost a wedding over the contract. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to just send out contracts either. I'm like, you know, think about it. Do what you need to do. Have another call. Let's meet. Whatever you want to do to feel comfortable. But when you say send me a contract, it's because you want a book. Gotcha. So, you know, that, that's kind of, kind of that. And then I don't, I'm sure you've had it. I have clients who reach out, you know, and then they go away. And then, you know, all of a sudden someone else in their family calls me a year later and they haven't found anyone or something bad happened and they mm -hmm. want you. And, you know, they put you through a lot of stuff to get there and it just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what, I, I gotta, my goal is to make sure that I'm not doing that to my clients and my team. So I don't want to put my team in that kind of position either. So, again, you know, if, if someone wants you to do their wedding and, and truthfully that they, they would have $1,500 to do it, there's just nothing you can do, yeah. nothing, to make that work. If they're off by 500 or 1000 there are ways, but it's going to be about, you know, either them coming up to you or you working out something with them, but chopping, I, you, I'm sure you get this. You get that, well, what if we did, you know, seven hours? Right. And like, Try and we're going to spend two weeks editing. I mean, seven hours. We need the footage. <laughs> we're not going to be, it's impossible. And we, we did try that. You know, you alluded earlier, like, you know, have you evolved your package? Stuff like, yeah, when I, tr I started with those complicated packages when I first started. Yep. And then I realized that people don't want that. It's way too confusing. And they don't know what I they're agree. getting. So all you do is you let them down and then you upsell them. And if people think that that's a good model for sales, that's fine. I, I as a consumer, find that annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you think I, you're getting something. Oh, yeah. I, I, um, I never buy anything from infomercials. Um, the first thing I ever bought was a – I can't remember what it was called. It was a juicing machine. And mm -hmm. I remember this vividly because it made me so angry that – they, no joke, pitched me seven upsells on the phone. And by the last one, I started yelling at this woman. I was like, if you try and sell me one more thing, I'm hanging up this phone right now. Um, she, got, oh, she got the I mean, message. I did get the juicer. Different. But that's, yeah, that's kind of why I don't like doing that. So, yeah, I always try to think, how would I feel if someone did it to me? I think it's a simple rule that probably my grandmother taught me when I was four years old. But Do one to others. 
What's that? Do unto others as you would like done. Yeah, you. it's just like you know. I mean, how would that make you feel? And then you, t- you know, empathy. I think is probably the the most important quality. And and the other thing that you know you, you can't ever put in there is that you know Jim last week or two weeks ago we had a call on a Thursday or a Wednesday for someone who um, lost a friend. We did did his wedding years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, you know and, and it was incredible. I never dealt with him. We went through a planner, and I I known the bride's name, but the groom called me. And the only reason I knew is because. It was our first MFA wedding, and um, he's like, oh, "I'm the guy who d- you did the first MFA wedding for." So I immediately, like, you know, I, you know, kind of put two to two and two together. Uh, and we were last minute hire. They really didn't, you know, they had this crazy photographer from New York City and the planner. I'd done her wedding. And she's like, "You have to have Boston wedding films," so we did it. But they, you know, at the time, they they really didn't care for her there. And I, I don't mean to be mean. It was just, you know, it was what it was, and we were, we weren't going to let this planner down. She's, you know, someone I did her wedding in yeah. front of hers and. Um, anyway, so to make a long story short, you know, three or four years later, he calls up and, and one of the groomsmen saying to him, he, he died of a brain tumor. And uh, it was the anniversary that him and all of his college buddies, or I think they were college friends, Jim would know more than me, uh, get, get together to sell, you know, to remember him. And they wanted the audio track from the song. Well, we still had it. Jim, you know, we didn't charge this guy. Jim, this is a Wednesday, pulled the file, got it organized, sent it to him, like even gave him a little edit of it. You know, for nothing. Like, but that guy, he didn't want a video. He didn't want. He probably didn't even say two words to Jim that day. And it doesn't make him bad. I'm not saying that. And I remember the photographer. I just remember the photographer was very much, you know, him, him, him from New York City. Mm. Take the bride and groom disappears. You know, it's it's like really. You know what I mean? We're, we're we don't both love our client the same way. We're not in this together as as you know, as we should be. Um, so it was amazing for years later for this gentleman to realize, you know. He wasn't calling the photographer, I can assure you, for that, for that audio file. <laughs> right. Um, and again, we, you know, we have amazing photographer friends that we love. It's not, this isn't about photography. You could say this about any, anyone working on the wedding day. It's just, it's back to that value. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want us there. So, you know, they, they scaled that package way down, but again, we did it for the planner. And we're done with that. Like, you know, we're not going to stay for six hours because we're not going to have anything to edit. Correct. Or we're going to deliver a product that isn't in line with the other products, and now we've compromised the brand. So we don't make money doing that either. Mm-hmm. So we don't say yes to those people because we, we can't really give them what we've committed to. And that's to be, you know, an experience equally as amazing as their film. Totally valid. Yeah. What are some good maybe just a couple or, you know, one or two, what are some good, like, investigative questions you'd ask? Like, what would you say is the single most important thing you try and find out from a couple or from a bride who you're talking to? I always like to know how they found us. I'm sure you asked that question. Yeah. Everyone loves a fan, too. But I, I want to, you know, not, not from an ego standpoint, but they, I want to know that they, they know what they're getting. It goes back to that whole letdown thing. Yeah. So I want to make sure that they've done their research. And if they haven't, that's okay, too. We might be in that beginning stage. So I try to find out kind of where they are in the discovery phase of, gotcha. you know, who's going to, um, you know, be involved in this day. Um, and, then, and, then, and then I think the conversation goes farther. Look, if you did their sister's wedding, then you know that they're much more um, educated in terms of what they're going to get. Yeah. But in, until you hold this in your hand, you don't know because what your studio offers, what our studio offers, what, you know, all these other people offer, they're all a little different. Yes. And so it's confusing. I would say that to brides. I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to know. We're not going to send out full length anything. I mean, we don't do that. I've never done that. I never will. I, okay, I did it a couple times and the results were zero, so I'd never do it again. Oh, that's interesting. You know? So you wouldn't send out sort of like a full finished wedding for them to get the idea. It's sort of more just... Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think if they can't understand a concept, what, what we are, and I'm very clear about it, you know, it's tough to watch someone else's wedding. I may, I may send them links to like a ceremony or, you know, a toast or something like that to give them a feel. Yeah. But, you know, our style is different than, than other people's styles. So I, I really don't want to do it, and I don't find it's necessary. Hmm. I don't think we've lost any weddings over it, and we certainly don't have any clients who have ever felt left down. We probably give more than they expected. Um, so, yeah, Andrew probably you know, deliver classic. I Really do that, but I, I try to get a background on how they found us to answer your question and kind of where they are within their discovery phase, and then I, I take it as far or you know as it as it as it should go um, in that. But I think the more we can understand about our clients, you know, why us, what they can, if they've seen our films, what are they connect with? If they're just connecting with like I love the views in Nantucket in that film, well that you know, but you're getting married, you know, in a hotel in Boston, well, you're not going to have that. A different story. And um, for us, it's not about the views in Nantucket. 
it's about the story of the bride and groom. Mm. And and so the narratives, you know, if if um a client calls up and they're telling me what songs they want, I'm like, it's probably not gonna be a fit. Yeah. We don't even know what kinds of beds of music we're gonna put until we do your narrative. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go and spend painless hours, days finding the right things that actually drive that emotional impact that we set out to do when we put the audio track together from your toast and everything else. So, right. you know, it's just, um, but you just try to understand kind of what, what the, you know, what the playing field is and what, what their expectations are. And, um, you know, sometimes you need to end those calls quicker when you know you're just never going to like, it's never going to be what they want. Hmm. And I think one advice I would give to salespeople in general is that, especially people who don't feel like they're good at sales, you know, back to the wrong is the wrong. So if you're not what they want and they're not what you want, like why continue on? Like it's just there, there, there will be someone who's good for them. And I say that to clients. I'm like, you, you, there is someone out there who is what you're looking for. It's just not us, hmm. you know, but I'm happy to help you in any way get there. But we're not right for each other, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, moving on to success rates for for us, I checked our numbers last year, and I, I found this interesting. We did you track them? I use ShoeQ, and so looking at past bookings versus how many people mm-hmm. wrote us, I can look and see what our success rate was. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you do this, but I can tell you that as of last year, using the contact form on our website, so we got 366 contacts through that, so about one mm-hmm. a day. We mm-hmm. booked 21 of those, so I came to just about 6%. Does that seem high okay. or does that seem low to you? Um, you know, I don't track them, so I just – which – I. It's a neat thing, and I'd love to, you know, understand that more, take that offline and, and understand it. I don't track them, mm-hmm. um, but I would say, you know, I get 10 to 15 inquiries a week. Most of them are through that website, but the planner ones aren't. Right, um, so, right. you know, I'd have to look at that. But probably, I mean, if you're booking more than that and, you you know, you're not in the market you want, then the answer is simple. You know, if, if you're sustained to that number, I mean, let me ask you this. Can you handle more than 20-something weddings a year? Our goal this year was to keep it around between 16 and 20. Um, we okay. could if we wanted to, but you know our our decisions that dictated why we wanted to do that number had to do with lifestyle decisions. So we wanted you got it. some summer weekends to go hang out with friends and not have to work yep. you know every weekend yep. in September. So mm-hmm. it's it's a purposeful number, and you know we could do a little bit more, but it's not really where we are in our life but, where we want to be. So doing I think that. you have the right numbers then, but I guess what I would say um, there's lots of ways to look at numbers. And out of those 365-ish inquiries, how many of those are the right people? So, mm-hmm. in other words, you, you, you know, there's going to be some that are redundant dates, so you can't do that. You know, right. there's, there's other reasons why you didn't get them. That's or, true. Um, so it's just you, you kind of look at, like, you know, are you getting the right people? I mean, there are um, wedding resources, that, you know, the kind of the big names out there that you could quadruple those numbers. You're probably still going to book 20-something because but you're going to waste a lot of time talking to the wrong people. So, you know what? That's the other thing. You're going to lose the right people because you're going to be spending time with the wrong people. Yeah. I think that's... Your your numbers sound pretty good to me. Um, I have, you know, I have three guys that film. I don't film. And we have a very different model in that, you know, um, one of your questions was how to work with the team. But, um, so I do a lot of this. And then um, those guys, you know, are introduced to the client after we've booked. um, And they build a wonderful relationship with them. And they stay on with them. But, you know, I check in along the way. But um, once we're done with the creative edit we actually share it we have our own private place to share our stuff and um, we give each other feedback and everyone's got a different kind of angle mm-hmm. um, so my my angle is you know you have to flatter the client and it has to move me emotionally um, as if they're a stranger those are like mine yeah um, and you know everyone Jim's got some technical things that he looks for Dorian's got some stuff that he looks for and then sometimes you just get fried as an artist and you're like I cannot put this puzzle together yeah and you know it's just not working and you just need someone to say move it around, <laughs> do this, to try this. Um, so it's, it's a really neat, uh, neat, neat approach to have and it checks and balances. In fact, that's when I knew I had the right team was when they'd call me up and they'd tell me something wasn't good. I'm like, you're hired. It's awesome. <laughs> so what I, needed, I, I knew it wasn't good. I just didn't know how to fix it. Now, hopefully you know how to fix it, but they, <laughs> they would. But I think, um, I think, you know, um, it's, it's really important. The reason why I bring up, you know, my guys and how many weddings is each of the people in my group wants to do a certain amount a year and that's it. They want us to love them. So if you're doing 20 something and your inquiries are three something, I guess the other thing is out of that 365 and you are not tracking this, I'm sure how much time are you spending with each of them? 
And did you lose, you know, this would be more interesting, did you lose ones that you wanted, and then why? So I always, if there's someone that I thought I had, I, my gut's usually really good, but it's wrong sometimes, but yeah. rarely. You know, something happens, and we just don't get the one that I'm like, we're definitely getting that one, it's going to be awesome. We don't get it, I'm like, bummer. Um, you know, you want to understand, well, where do they go? So I try to understand who do they hire. Mm-hmm. And as long as they've hired someone that, like, I believe in, you know, and think is you know, everything that they said, then I feel like I, I'm, I'm happy because I'm like, I've done my part. They stay true to what they said and, um, and they're going to get something great, you know? So the ones that you lost, you, you may have not wanted anyway. So it's just, th- that's why those numbers are so hard to measure. Yeah. It's very, just, it's just a vanity metric essentially. Yeah. But it's, it's great that you even have that. Cause I, I don't know. I just know that it feels like we get lots of inquiries and, um, you know, the wrong inquiries are not good. I mean, it doesn't mean it's the right one, but, you know, there's so many different paths to how clients come here and, uh, you know, just as just as bad as someone who can pay all the money in the world but doesn't, you know, doesn't really want you there, doesn't treat you with respect, that's that's the wrong inquiry. Don't want to do that. Right. Yeah, and that's I think that's one of the, the biggest takeaways for me personally is what you said earlier in the conversation was putting yourself in front of the right people so that more of your leads coming in are qualified already as opposed to, right. you know, you don't necessarily have to hop on the phone, <clears throat> excuse me, with with everybody or with, with the wrong people because it's just, it's a waste of time. And you, and you can't, and you can't. So if I still want to deliver this kind of service, if I want to stay true to what I said, the experience has to be as amazing as the film, then I can't get on the phone with everyone. So when you get the mainstream, you know, wedding marketing firms out there calling, it's like I, I, my clients will suffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Boston Wedding Films will suffer. My team will suffer. It won't we? Won't be successful, and um, you know, it amazes me just still how so many people think volume is the answer to everything. It's it's not. In fact, it can be much worse. Um, so I, I want to uh, a thank you for including me and taking the time. I, you put a lot of time into it, and also b I've been proud watching you grow. Um, when, you know, when thank you guys you. started out, I'm like, hmm, maybe we could work together. You know, and and we're working together in a different way. By by being colleagues and having totally. calls like this, and so I I really respect what you've done with your company. Your films are great. Um, you know, stay true to what you're doing. You know, I did. Um, and I and, and you know, at the end of the day, like the numbers are important, and you got to pay your bills. But it feels better to know that you didn't compromise your values. Right. And it's not about ego. It's about being able to provide something that's really exceptional, and it takes a lot of time and energy. And so, in order to do that. You've got to like make sure you price yourself accordingly because you only have so much time to do things in your life. Right. Um, well. So. Yeah, I think. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, no, of course, it's my pleasure, and thank you so much for the kind words. I think what we'll do then is is wrap it up there. Um, Jason, if people wanted to stay in touch or check out your work, where would you suggest they go? Um. Boston, you know, Boston Wedding Films for sure um, has plenty of. Uh, Plenty of things people can look at, but that would be you know our blog. There's lots of lots of stuff there. Awesome, and I encourage you everybody to do that. Thank you again, Jason, really so much for taking the time out of your busy day. Uh, really appreciate you sharing all of these insights. Really, really valuable. Um, I know a lot of people are going to find this incredibly useful. So, um, on behalf of the community, we all thank you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, Christian. Thanks so much for including us. Absolutely, no, Jason, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, bye bye. Okay. All right, that's the show. Hope everybody took plenty of notes. Uh, For more helpful information, tips, tutorials, head on over to our website, www.universityofweddingfilmmakers.com. Again, that's www.universityofweddingfilmmakers.com and join our email list to stay in the know. Thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.